I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello! This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of Rob of the Pac-12 and of the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business to get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Plus, Rob will sign his own um, headshot and just mail it to you. I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous full-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice. With William Hills, Max Meyer, this is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. We are continuing to roll through the offseason, and thanks to Nexiva for allowing us to do that. And we don't, we don't normally take a break from our regularly scheduled program, but we just finished our entire spring football question series and go back there. We did every single team for the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 South. I thought that turned out quite well. And again, we'll be doing full interviews with, uh, you know, reporters from each team and taking deep dives as we move closer to fall and as fall camp begins. Um, But in the meantime, we decided to do just take a little break. We're going to do a member berries episode. And we don't normally do this where we go back and we say like, remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? But But uh, 2020 was such a wild year, we thought it was worth doing one episode where we kind of go back and just look at some of the underreported or crazy things that happened in the conference while we were all um, probably paying attention to staying alive. And I am joined, as always, by Rob Barron. What's going on, Rob? Um, I'm I'm excited. It was a a totally wild year in the Pac-12, so I'm, I'm excited to cover that. It's, it's pretty fun. And uh, one of the things I think that will be interesting is uh, it, we haven't told each other what we were going to pick. <laughs> so I took, uh, we did send out the bat signal on Twitter where you can follow us at 12 pack radio. Um, and, and a couple of people wrote in, which is good. So we'll use some of those. And then, um, but, but Rob and I are going to kind of go through this uh, without letting each other know what we have picked out and Rob to start off for, Oh, right off the bat. So if you don't know what the member berries are, it's a South park episode where they have these little berries. <laughs> It's these stupid berries that uh, that just keep saying member, um, and and slowly they turn everybody into zombies and they take over the world. So kind of fun, kind of fun. We'll be doing some member berries where we're going through this season. Um, Rob, let's start out right off right off the bat. Remember when Colorado didn't tell the NCAA that they were going to join a gambling uh, startup in Colorado? Like what? 
When they they just announced that they had a uh, Colorado suddenly had an official sports book of the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, it didn't tell the NCAA. Better to ask for forgiveness than per, for permission. I and it's funny because they did it, and then there was like no repercussion. Everybody was just so focused on you know not getting COVID that that kind of slid under the radar. If there's one time where uh, you really wanted to get your kicks in, that was that was optimal timing by Colorado. But I'm curious to see what what actually comes of this if they're actually allowed to do that. Um, they are getting paid, so they're getting money from this sports book startup in Colorado. <laughs> I'd never heard of it in my life. Uh, did you did, like did did that jump out at you when it first happened? I can't believe we didn't talk about it on the podcast. I, mean, I thought it was interesting of them to to add that on, you know, and certainly as uh, you know, I don't know that the NCAA had really thought about that, you know, uh, you know, too much ahead of time. Um, but as, you know, legalized sports books, you know, come, come around the U S I would certainly expect more universities and more athletic departments to be partnering up with them. But yeah, I'm, I was, I was, I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess I was a little surprised that it was Colorado right off the bat, like of all the teams, <laughs> like, Miss, like old, old Miss or like Mississippi state would have been my first you know guess. Oh yeah. Those river boats going down, down the Mississippi river for sure. Although, like, so San Diego State, I think, was the OG on this, where um, it wasn't. It's Viejas Arena, and Viejas is like absolutely the casino in San Diego. I have frequented that location before, and I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I guess uh, so. Maybe maybe Colorado uh, just saw that they were able to take you know take things another step forward. You know, Elvis did that, and then all of a sudden, uh, music got better. So you know, what are we gonna do? Um, All right, so so Colorado. Going into the sports book uh, sponsorship. All right, Rob. What, what do we what do we got here? I mean, my my remember is remember when you know Cal basically got told they were going to play UCLA on Sunday morning with like three or four days notice, <laughs> and had a, a, a total debacle of a game uh, in that game. You know, which was uh, like I'm trying to even remember what week that even was. It was like um, week oh yeah, 12, it was week, right? Yeah, week twelve. I mean, and they just got, I mean, just whipped by UCLA, uh, thirty-four to ten. Um, you know, like Cal didn't have, you know, I think most of their defensive line was out for that game. Of course, like it turned out, UCLA could run the ball pretty well last year in the small sample that we saw. But I mean, just Cal. I mean, and the small number of Cal fans that are not consistently mad at us or me in particular for you know not being wholly on the bear, the bears bandwagon um, <laughs> were, 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 I think, especially salty after, you know, all the build up to last season, I think. And then, um, you know, where they had so much returning and then you have to start it out with like, uh, you know, basically like a pickup game of the Rose bowl. I, I got into a, a little Twitter spat with somebody and I tried to, to avoid that, but it was like the one time I had to dip my toe back in the water because, and it was kind of unfair to, to, to be, to be fair to, I forget who the listener was, but um, yeah, because like they didn't practice basically at all. And, um, and then all of yeah. a sudden they had to play UCLA and Greg Dulcich had like 7,000 yards in that game. I just remember him just tearing that defense to shreds. Um, and that kind of sucked if you were a Cal fan, because it really set the tone for the season. And they, they did, obviously they got better each week. But it just kind of there were those expectations and then they kind of fell flat and they had to kind of crawl their way out of the hole. And you saw it over time. And again, I think Cal is one of the more interesting teams that we're going to f- look at this coming year. But that man, that game was rough. And it was it was at like 1230 uh, in the afternoon. <laughs> 
and it was like got back from church and i'm like what what is going on here it was, it was pretty fascinating to watch that game uh and fortunately cal again kind of picked up the pieces and moved forward but it just kind of started them in a hole that they weren't able to dig out by the end of the season okay let's see let's see so we had we had cal All right, let's go. Let's go, member berries. Remember when Arizona got its ass kicked seventy to seven on last like live television? That game was the worst. I mean, just like it was. I mean, but at that point, I mean, Arizona had been. But I, I mean, I still think ASU wins. But what was it? Like Arizona had like two walk-ons playing in the linebacker core. I think they had one walk-on safety. Um, at least one of their corners had opted out. Uh, and I think they had like, was it seven turnovers? In that oh, that was, that was the thing is I went back and took a look at the numbers and I'm going, okay. I mean, 200 yards through the air, 250 on the ground, which made sense. Everybody had 250 on the ground against Arizona. I was like, what? Oh yeah. The turnovers, <laughs> Rhett Rod, two, two interceptions. Grant Gannell had an interception. They, they put him back in that game. Um, and then you had all the fumbles and it was just such a disaster. And it was a perfect, there was four fumbles by the way. Um, and it was just, I mean, that team rolled over and quit. I, I did a podcast yeah. with our friends at the Quack 12 podcast kind of going over Arizona. And obviously, Grant Gannell getting hurt, you know, set Arizona back a ton that year. But one of the things, like we we were, I would say we were moderately bullish. Like I thought Arizona's ceiling was going to be 500. But I did think that they'd yeah. be better than they were previously. But what we both didn't plan on was, A, the offensive line just sucking so so yeah. awfully uh and then and and then the the team just straight up quit <laughs> you saw that like how do you have four fumbles in a game like that's wild yeah i mean the seven turn i mean like they were they had they were basically done i mean at that point i mean it, it felt like actually i mean it was strange because they had that i mean one of my other member berries was remember when remember when arizona almost beat you see at usc <laughs> like <laughs> to start the season out like and to add on to that, USC, right? I mean, that that game was wild anyway because, yeah, right, Arizona came out looking pretty good. And I watched that game feeling, like, kind of excited for Arizona football because it, it kind of justified some of the things that you and I had talked about at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the you know, there were certainly some problems in that game. And, but I, uh, I, was in, I was in shock that Arizona, because it was really the next week that they – collapsed right i mean that you really started to feel like the season was almost doomed right because they had they had washington yeah i mean in that game i mean like and then you know washington is a very different animal defensively than usc is um but like arizona just could not get literally couldn't get anything going and arizona's offensive line just looked utterly confused and disheveled in that washington game i mean like i I don't think anybody on the line looked good at all. Um, and Gunnell was under constant pressure and they're like, if you watch, I mean, that game was horrible to watch because you'd have Gunnell like yelling at the sidelines cause he wants to go deep. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You don't have time to throw deep. Like you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get killed if you're trying, like, I mean, cause Washington, like Washington knew they were getting to Gunnell. They knew he didn't have time. So they were coming up and, and sitting on routes, but like he absolutely didn't have time to go deep. I'm just like, you were like ZTF is going to like, you know, like break you in half if you <laughs> try to take some deep shots. Oh yeah. Um, the, that front seven, like grilled and then sauteed. 
Arizona. I mean, and it, it was twenty-seven yeah. to zero at half or into the third quarter. And Arizona, like, I mean, basically the the fours and fives went out for Washington because Arizona dropped twenty-seven points in the fourth quarter. But like that game, it was so depressing because we went from that high of like, oh wow, this could be a team that really could you know, make a little bit of noise. We, again, we thought they'd go about 500, but um, yeah, dreams yeah. certainly dashed after that, but I'm sorry. I just cut you off. No, no. And then like the next week you go into UCLA and you know, it gets hurt. And that was it. Yeah. That it was, it was pretty brutal along those on along those similar lines. Do you remember how USC had three teams coming off their first game? Like the, oh, USC, yeah. <laughs> it's like USC, Right, uh, or they played ASU in in the first game, so that that, that you know obviously they, neither team could change that. But then they had Arizona after the the COVID pause against Utah, and then they ended up playing um, who's the thirteenth they they played um, they played Utah. <laughs> that was their first yeah. game. <laughs> yep. Uh, so when you think of Clay Helton and you know like you know him carrying things into the future, it's just man, USC got some breaks. Yeah, they really did. You know, you kind of feel like last season because they they barely escape ASU, they barely escape Arizona. Then they get, you know, they they, they luck out and they get Utah. You know, in their first in their first freaking game <laughs> with like, with a hurt Cam Rising. Yeah, yeah, and Rising gets hurt. Slovis had a, I mean, Slovis had a pretty good game there, but Utah really had you know no shot in that game once Rising got hurt because. Man, did did Bentley just not? I mean, he was the bad Bentley, right? That we kind of you know were worried about, you know, for him regressing to what he was in his final season with the Gamecocks. Like he was so bad. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's what Jared Guarantano is going to look like at Washington State too. <laughs> like Oof. you know, when those castoffs go away and the fan base is like, oh, that's pretty good that he moved on. You know, that's never a good sign for the team that acquires said player. So hopefully, uh, uh their uh, freshman well now their sophomore quarterback ends up uh, you know taking that spot and running with it because i thought he was pretty impressive Jaden delora yeah yeah no i mean i, I delora's back he's been reinstated so yeah you're 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 hopeful that he's you know is in there can be competitive Garantano was decent at times i mean that's but i mean if you're you could sort of uh live by live by the transfer qb and like you can sort of talk yourself into it working like you know say like russell wilson transferring to wisconsin but I mean, a lot of times like guys are transferring because they were really struggling to get on the field, you know, where they were at. And, um, you know, sometimes they end up, you know, looking just like they did <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> All right. Here, here's one. Here's one for you. Hold on here. Oh, there we go. All right. Here's, here's one for you, Rob. Remember when Stanford had to practice at a public park for like a whole week and then went on and beat Washington again? Oh yeah. Like Stanford, I mean everyone, I mean they're they're uh it's kind of amazing like how good of a season relatively speaking Stanford had and like San Jose State had because everybody in the Bay Area like couldn't practice within Santa Clara County at all. It was so they were like farmed out like I'm trying to remember where San Jose State even ended up practicing, but yeah, like Stanford, there were those like videos that were tweeted out of them, you know, practicing at the public park. And, um, it did, I mean, yet again, I mean, for the, the poor long suffering Washington fans with that, you know, Stanford having their number a little bit, I mean, like Stanford came out and had a, you know, had, a, had themselves a very good game, uh, you know, there and, and 
that that has to that has to kind of hurt for Washington fans. I was on I was on a Washington podcast as a guest. Maybe it was a bit like to to talk about like Washington's amazing dominant performance versus Arizona, and I was like, well, let's slow down. Like Arizona's not good, so <laughs> this is exactly this is exactly one for the record books because Arizona is god awful terrible, you know. And I think there there were some Washington fans sort of like you know crowing after demolishing you know Arizona, and then you know you get you get Stanford and, and lay an egg again. That that one really hurt, and it wasn't even. I mean, like Stanford finished minus one on turnovers in that game, and you know, and, and still walked away with the W. Yeah, and and uh, shouts to uh, NorCal Matt, who also sent us something along those lines, where he said, uh, "Remember Stanford dropping their first two and then miraculously winning four games? Each one they probably should have lost by the eye test." You know, to that point, though, I think it's really interesting. I think the season win totals came out, and we'll definitely touch on those. But Stanford's is like three and a half or four and a half. And I know that defense is going to suck, Rob, but you got to take a I look know. at that season and go like, wow, all the stuff that they had to go through and they still won four games. You're telling me that in a real season, they're not going to be able to win four with their offense that I don't know. I, I feel like there might be a little something there. Well, let me let me pull up the beta rank win projection tool. There we uh, go. They're, at, they're, they're at four wins. Oh, <laughs> um, expected wins in there. But. I mean, I think you can talk yourself. I mean, like, I mean, you've got an easy one in Vanderbilt. You know, I think that they, I think they should beat K State. That's a low win probability ish. But yeah, I mean, like, they, I could. It's just, it is hard because the defense has been so, so bad, and they do have to replace Mills. Ugh, yeah, tough one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that that plays out. But, um, and yeah, obviously replacing Mills is the big deal. But if that, um that quarterback that came back from his LDS mission ends up being, you know, halfway oh, decent. Yeah. Now you have some still decent offensive line recruits that are stepping in. You have good running backs. You have good wide receivers. And then you have a quarterback. I mean, they might be able to, to hang around some games and, and basically do what NorCal Matt was talking about, which is win games, even though they probably didn't pass the eye test. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to talk, I mean, you could easily talk yourself into Stanford being, you know, like, uh, you know, winning, you know, five or six games. I mean, I don't, I, I think, I think if the offense can hold serve, the special teams could be good. You could talk yourself into Stanford being, de- you know, not great, but decent. Yeah. Yeah. Schedule stuff. I mean, you got USC, you've got Washington, you've got Oregon, you've got Notre Dame, you know, like the, the, there's a couple losses right in there, although they've certainly had Washington's number. Yeah. That is wild. I, I think that'll change over time, uh, particularly yeah. with, the Stanford kind of falling off the recruiting wagon and, and Washington for the most part. I mean, last year was a, a, an anomaly. We'll, well, we'll see if it's an anomaly when we go into this coming year, but I, you got to think that Washington's going to keep building a, a pretty solid program that should be able to finally get off that, get that monkey off their back, which is pretty crazy. Um, hey, let, let's get to some other members here and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. We're back. We're doing member berries. We're, we're doing member berries and Rob, 
What do you got? What do you got for us? Yeah. Do you remember when Oregon beat UCLA by three at home plus three on turnovers with UCLA's backup quarterback playing? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, so I, uh, I lost money on that game, uh, full disclosure. <laughs> so, so I do, I do remember that one. Um, because what I had kind of jumped on for a little while was Oregon second half because Oregon had been coming out playing fairly poorly in the beginning and then kind of putting it together in the second half. So I jumped on Oregon second half and was, and was really enthusiastic because that bone backbreaking, crunching, awful, uh, pick six that the backup quarterback threw at the end of the second half. I'm like, all right, let's do this. We're 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 gonna do this. And then um and then UCLA hung around and really exposed Oregon's defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was I mean, it was astounding. I mean, like to to see uh, Oregon really struggle that much. I mean, particularly in their run fit in that game um, because UCLA ran for 267 yards and had 5.2 per carry. Uh, in that game. Meanwhile, Oregon, like, you know, had 2.6 per carry. In that game. It's so bizarre because their running backs are good, but, but that front yeah. seven of UCLA was solid. Um, and one of the things that jumped out for me was, uh, so Chris Osgood sent uh, something similar to that. He said, uh, remember UCLA smoke and mirrors two back fake triple option attack against Oregon. And they had the slot receivers yeah. playing running back. So it looked like super busy, but it was just like an inside zone um, and some speed option stuff. So I, I have to go back and look at that because as I was watching it, I, my jaw just dropped to the floor because I was more impressed with how UCLA was stopping Oregon's run attack than actual uh, the, the stuff that was happening on the offensive side. I don't know. Did, did that jump out at you? Like I have to go back and, and take a look at some of that, that work that they were doing on the offense. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, I think the way that they try to get Felton involved um, it almost reminded me of some flex bone um, that you might see with the, the the slot, you know, guys coming in and, and taking some handoffs. But yeah, I thought they did a really good job, um, you know, and, and or, I mean, you have to flip that. I mean, and say like also Oregon's defense just did a really, really bad job in that game, you know, and, and UCLA just, all, you know, nearly always, um, you know, put a hat, you know, put a, put a blocker on somebody and, it, you know, the, the Oregon just, couldn't get off blocks. Couldn't, couldn't, you know, stick to their assignments. They really struggled. Yeah. Pulled it off, but didn't cover the spread and shame on them. Shame on them. Um, I mean, that UCLA squad, like they have a I mean like that Colorado game too. I mean, just like, you know, too many four turnover games. <laughs> that is wild that they were like almost six and one or something, something stupid. Cause they yeah. ended up, I think three and three. So been five and one. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I was looking at the season win totals for UCLA and I think they're the high, you know, it, like, and it's, it's cool because beta rank has very similar numbers to Vegas in terms of lumping those Pac-12 South teams together. So, right. It was, it's USC, UCLA, ASU, and who's the fourth one that you have? Oh, Utah, right. They're all kind of like grouped yeah. together. And I think Vegas has UCLA as the highest win total outside of USC. I got to see this for two years to believe it though. No, no, I think it's totally, I mean, listen, like some of the projection coming into next year for UCLA is really based off of what we saw from them last year, which was a team that if you, you know, like take over, take out the bad turnover luck, I mean, move the ball pretty effectively. Um, I am interested to see whether the run defense holds up, you know, with the, their, with their incredible defensive tackle off to the NFL. Um, we'll see. 
uh, <laughs> if that, if that, if that's the case, but you know, like I, I think for Vegas in particular, I, I think some of their projections, I mean, it's, it's even though beta rank right now sort of still says like, you know, that in particular that the Trojans have to prove it, they've, they've struggled on the field and, and actually turning, you know, their good recruiting into actual good college football. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the not having Oregon or Washington on the schedule for USC is just a huge boon. So even if you were going to do a, a power rank for the pac 12 and you were actually going to say like, who's likely to win more or less likely to win the particular game type of power ranking, um, you know, you might have U USC, you know, maybe second or third or fourth, you know, in the pac 12 South you could easily end up with them, you know, in the expected wins because they miss both Oregon and Washington at the, at the top of the heap of the South. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so we'll have to keep a lookout for them. Okay. UCLA, UCLA almost beating Oregon on the road. Okay. I like that. I like that. Oh, they're adorable. Um, okay. So here, here's one for you, Rob. Uh, remember when we tried to do a non PAC 12 preview show and just fell on our faces totally and completely because it's the first week of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we mispronounced some names. We got some offensive styles um, and playbooks wrong. We got, it was, we were trying to come up with some content and did like, I mean, the like we prepare for the pack 12, but we're in it so much that it's like, like, we did. I, I feel like I went into that with about the same level of preparation as I did for like a Pac-12 podcast, and I kind of fell on my face with it. Well, that that we didn't know that BYU, you know, was going oh to play God. a Navy team that didn't practice tackling for six months. That that also sucked. Yeah. I wish I would have known that beforehand. Um, I think there was a couple of players that we identified that were supposed to like you know I was like oh you know this guy had 1300 yards and ended up getting like one catch for seven yards just because the the timing of the quarterbacks and the wide receivers were so off oh it was awful yeah yeah we did not we did not I, I don't know that it was anyone really did themselves much I mean because it's in particular some of those games early on were just such a mess yeah I mean in particular that Navy game, like I, I remember like we did that preview and I was pretty, I mean, I, we had no idea BYU. Like I, I did a preview for a preview video last year for BYU and sort of said like, it was kind of a prove it year actually. Like they, I felt like for both of their coordinators, they were really going to have to actually, you know, show it more than they had on the field. And they certainly did last year, but I don't know that you could have really expected BYU to turn in as good of a season as they did last year. Even I mean, the, the competition wasn't overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that the good thing, though, is on the national front, like sharp college football is really starting to crank when it comes to actually covering other teams outside the Pac-12. So if you haven't watched yeah. that YouTube series, like Rob is on top of that stuff and, and talks defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators and scheme. And so anyway, that that stuff is really good. And and one of the things that I really like is our friend Burke, who's doing the coordinator project now. That stuff is awesome where he's going through and just breaking down, not just um, tendencies of some of the biggest coordinators in college football, but he's going into the history of the coaching trees, which I think is fascinating. Um, and the guy just knows his stuff. So he's going back like 40 years in the development of like the air raid and the, and the branches that came out from that tree. And then he was talking about that. I thought the one that was really interesting was the defensive coordinator, um, USC's defensive coordinator and where he came from and why some of his schemes have been kind of boomer bust. So I thought that was really fascinating. So anyway, um, some really good stuff that we're doing and some of our friends are doing um, that are that aren't just 
uh, you know, focus on the Pac-12. So, so we've gotten better. We've gotten better. All right. What, what do you got here, Rob? Uh, you remember when uh, Colorado played San Diego State? It felt like all it wasn't quite as a drop of a hat, but with like a week's notice. Like, remember when Colorado was like, hey, yeah, we're going to go look. We, we might go look for a game. And the Pac-12 did like a quick, yes, you can go look for a game. <laughs> and got San Diego. Like, sure, we'll allow it. Like, at the last minute. Yeah, th- that... That that whole system of we're gonna plan our games out seventeen years in advance, right? Like I think, yeah. um, I think like Alabama is playing Arizona in like twenty forty six or something. Like no joke, it's it's almost that far away. And then yeah, you, the Greg and, Byrne return. Yeah, oh yeah, he's gonna be uh, you know grizzled and in a wheelchair by that point, but yeah, he'll be there. You know, I think that the thing that's interesting was when when we saw all these teams like have to kind of figure things out and just start matching up, man, I wish that would happen more because that was a good game for Colorado, but it was also a good game for San Diego state. They got another shot at a PAC 12 team. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, I think they're still finding their way now that, um, what's his face is, has gone. Uh, who, who's the, the guy Rocky that, long. Yeah. Right. Long is, is gone. But like, I thought it was good for Colorado and it was good for San Diego state. And I just wish that there was a little bit more flexibility in the schedule to do that in the coming years and make the sport a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that, I mean, in particular, like there's, there's also a lot more and it is hard when you think about it because I think so much of college football right now is, is still driven. Like it's sort of a push and a pull between, you know, the athletic departments wanting to maximize revenue from ticket sales versus athletic departments and conferences, you know, and and TV executives trying to maximize revenue from, you know, the TV dollars, because I mean, the, the, you know, the, I I think there are better games to be had if you are not planned, like, you know, trying to schedule out, you know, 10 years in advance. (laughs) Right. Um, And I, but I I think that's true of like, there's even, you know, some of those games might be more appealing to, from a, um, you know, a, a ticket draw perspective, like, cause it is, it is tough to, to sell to like, it's, it's tough to sell out a stadium to watch, you know, a, a power five team take on somebody from the Mac or something like that. I mean, San Diego state's a pretty, I mean, Rocky long definitely had them, you know, established as a pretty good group of five program, but that game, I mean, I gotta say, like I watched parts of the, that game was damn near unwatchable Yeah, uh, because I mean, San Diego state's offense was just futile. I mean, just like Colorado had a decent defense last year. They weren't great. San Diego state made them look amazing with how incompetent they were offensively. Um, and it's not like, I mean, like, I mean, Neuer had 138 yards. Like that game was just woof. I, mean, <laughs> I got a little spoiled at that point because there was multiple PAC 12 games on and multiple just college football games. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. That was one where I let, let you and Max watch. Cause I'm like, all right, like somebody else will probably cover this one because it just struck me as little notice, bad offenses, you know, pretty good defenses on both sides. Like it just, I just felt like that final score is going to be like 10 to 10 to three. And I forget what, what, what one of the teams scored 10. <laughs> forget what the other, it was, it was, it was 20 to 10. Oh, Gross. San Diego State had 155 total yards. Like it was, it was a pretty brutal watch. Hell yeah, good job, Colorado. Right on. <laughs> um, all right, here's here's another one for you. Hold on here. What about Oregon State beating Oregon? 
right? That was a oh, big yeah. like, yeah. stand up and applaud our Beavers here. That was that was an impressive win. I mean, they straight up beat them. They did. I mean, that was great. Like, I mean, I mean, if you're a Duck fan, clearly not great. But I mean, for the long suffering, you know, Oregon State, you know, since you know the Gary Anderson basically like nosedive the program, you know, like they they didn't just show up. I mean, it wasn't just. I mean, Oregon did turn the ball over three times in that game, but Oregon State outgained them. You know, in that game, they they played pretty well. I mean, and and you know, certainly again, like you you have to come back and say, man, that duck defense had some problems. I mean, Oregon State ran for two sixty nine, had six point one per. I mean, real real problems in that game. Oh, Jamar Jefferson. I mean, yeah, holy Moses, like just just lit that team on fire, and it was cool. Like it was a fun looking game because the fog was there. Um, and it just, it was yeah. just, I don't know. It, it, that game made me f- feel like, like college football was like real. And I know there wasn't fans in the stands and all that stuff, but it just, it had that like atmosphere visually. And it was just super cool because they were going back and forth. And I think one of the things that was really impressive was the 22 points that Oregon state dropped <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I mean, they just really turned yeah. it on and took that game away from Oregon. And man, I really hope that some of that momentum just from that team in general, just kind of like knowing that they can go up and, and really punch somebody in the mouth um, and, and, and win. I hope they're able to do that in the coming year. I think we're a little bit down on, on that program in terms of what they can do again. You know, I'm hoping that they can make a bowl. Um, I'm high on the coaching staff, but I just think that the players surrounding that program are fine, but you know, they're not going to jump up and win the, win the North or anything, but man, that, that, if they can pop up every once in a while and hit a team like that, I think, I think, you know, Beaver fans will take that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, and it's a bummer because we've talked about this. Like, I feel like Jonathan Smith is coming into what it almost feels like a critical year for them, um, for the staff. I, I think he's done a tremendous job. It's, it is, I do feel like it is going to be hard for them to take the next step because as well as they've done, I just, I still don't think the roster's there, um, you know, and they might, they might really have to scrape to try to get the bowl eligibility this year. So I, I hope that there's patience there, um, you know, for him and Corvallis. Okay. All right. I have, I have two more. How many do you got here, Rob? I've got, I've got one okay. and it's, it, it cracked me up anyway, but <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's, uh, let's lead with that. Let's do it right after this break. Okay. We're back. We're doing member berries, member berry episode going through 2020, the wild stuff that happened. And what do you got, Rob? Yeah. Do you remember when uh, Tom Herman and Mike Urich remembered that they had B. John Robinson on their team all of a sudden? <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, wait. Uh, yeah. And then they just gave it to him for the rest of the game. And he, <laughs> he had 183 yards on 10 carries oh, against God. Colorado in that bowl game. Just I mean, Tucson product, B. John Robinson from the Pac-12 footprint, just utterly embarrassed the Buffaloes in that bowl game. Oh, oh, my God. And it makes you sad because even if he didn't go to Arizona or ASU, it's another example of teams coming in and just pulling whoever they want out of Arizona that aren't part of the Pac-12. Yeah. And I really would like that to stop because that's an area that really is starting to flourish. And we're starting to see a lot of good talent come out of mostly Phoenix, but also there's been a lot of players in Tucson that have kind of broken through and, and found their way on, uh, on different rosters. I know the corner for um, Alabama a few years ago that like kind of was a walk on, but he really wasn't a walk on um, ended up going to the NFL out of Tucson. Um, man. So, so if you're Colorado 
that game kind of reminded me of uh of so Arizona one year was was pretty good as with Nick Foles and they went to play Nebraska in the Holiday Bowl and Nadamika oh, Sue hor- like yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly that's kind of how I felt because I I watched that game and I felt like that as an as an or- as a uh, Colorado fan because you know Colorado had a, had an overachieving good year and had some fun players on that team. And then they played a team that, that kind of were, were able to just, they just had better talent all across the board. I don't know. What, what did you feel when you were watching that? Cause it, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. I mean, we had talked about that. We thought Colorado was record was better than the, you know, the, 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 the team was on the field. And I thought, I mean, I thought it kind of showed in that, I mean, cause you know, they, I mean, Casey Thompson played a significant, I mean, he was, he looked almost unstoppable. Their backup quarterback to protect is when he came. Yeah, he himself had four touchdowns in that game. Right. Um, but I just, uh, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, I was amazed at the, that, uh, you know, that I, I mean, cause Texas had been good, but you know, that, that, that they really got a role in the way that they did in that game. I thought was interesting. I mean, and it was, you're right on that. It's not just, like what is what is I think tough for the Pac-12 is you've started to see, as you said, Arizona emerge as a, a bit of not I don't want to say recruiting hotbed, but a place where you do need to go recruit, um, particularly in Phoenix. And I don't know. I mean, you feel like Texas A. I mean Texas A&M and even Michigan and Ohio State and other programs are able to come in to Phoenix, um, you know, and, and Tucson and, and and get kids. Where you know the Pac-12, I mean, and get the bit. I mean, because it's not that the you go through any Pac-12 roster, you're going to see kids from the Phoenix area for sure. Yeah. Um, but you also, when you go through that, you uh, you should be aware those are not the those aren't the best kids. Like the five star kids that are getting produced, you know, in the Phoenix area are usually leaving the Pac-12 footprint, and that that's something the conference really has to stop. I mean, to to stop. I mean. Um, you know, whether it's USC or Washington or Oregon, I mean, cause Arizona and Arizona state both will tell you that, that they, they actively don't recruit those kids. I mean, they'll, they will pay some attention to them, but they're very difficult there. It's very difficult for Arizona and Arizona state to get those kids. Yeah. B. B. John Robinson should have went to USC. I mean, that, that should have yeah. happened and it didn't. Um, and that's a bummer because uh, Robinson, the other thing, when you mentioned that game, the other thing that stand, stood out for me was the fact that for two years in a row, a a plucky, fun team in the Pac-12 got their head handed to them by a disinterested Texas. That worries yeah. me. Because, <laughs> like, right. right? Like, I mean, Colorado lost and Texas still fired their coach. Like, that's how flat that team was. And they came out and just gave a whoop into the buffs. Yeah. No, that's what's that is sort of, I mean, disconcerting about like where, because it's not as if when you look at the Pac-12, you know, bowl lineup, they're not they're not having to bump teams up to send them into the playoff because you know they've got a playoff you know team so that everybody's moving up a spot. Um, you know, it's you know the the Pac-12 hasn't sent anyone in the playoffs since Washington in 2016. So, you know, watching Utah go and get you know demo- it, it was I, I think it was a little more demoralizing to watch Utah go get just absolutely smacked around. Yeah. I mean, but man, I mean, it's, it's funny though. We say that. Cause like, you remember like, what was it? Three years ago when Georgia barely missed making the playoff and they didn't really care. And they ended up drawing Texas and everybody's like, Oh man, this is a mismatch. Like Georgia should absolutely whip Texas. 
And then Texas just shows up and mauled a totally disinterested Georgia team. I don't know what to like. You should hire Tom Herman just to do motivational speeches for bowl games because <laughs> he was not a very good in-season coach, but he got people amped up for bowl games. He did. He did. That, and that was really funny that um, I forgot about that Georgia game, but Utah, that one. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I would be more concerned as a Utah fan than as a Col- Colorado is just happy to be there. And I would, if I were a Buffs fan, I would have been happy to be there. I'm like, yeah, whatever. We, we got to a bowl. This was a yeah. good year and whatever, but Utah. And I, I realized that they were coming off of a hangover too, right? They, they were in contention yeah. for the PAC 12 Oregon just stomps on, on their chances to do that. And now they got to play Texas. But I mean, Whittingham had won what, like 14 bowl games in a row where he was like 14 and two or something. Yeah. And just to go in there and just get smacked around and it was the same thing the same thing we saw with Colorado where the the players on Texas interested or disinterested were just significantly better than Utah and significantly better than Colorado so I thought that was kind of interesting Um, along those lines uh, Chris Osgood sent us something that I thought was fascinating Um, he said remember when the Pac-12 title game outcome was not ideal for the national narrative and then he shows what happened last year so the conference champion was Oregon but the North champion right. was Washington um, and the South champion was USC, but the runner up beat the South champion, but the highest ranked team was Colorado. Like that, that was the most PAC 12 thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it was, it was such a mess and I don't, I mean, I think people, you know, criticize, I mean, rightly sort of criticize the conference for some of that, but it, like it is the conference could have, or they could have done what they did, you know, say the Big Ten sort of did, which was basically change the rules so that Ohio State would make it to the Big Ten championship game, right? Um, you know, manipulating, I mean, which was the right call. I mean, like Indiana had a good year last year, but Ohio State was the better team, you know, but that's, uh, you know, like the Pac-12 could have gone through and basically like handpicked. And I, 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 to be frank, like with as weird of a season, with as few games as the Pac-12 actually got to play, that may not have been the worst idea, um, you know, just to, to, to pick the teams and set it up and let them go. Um, but I mean, I don't know that I would, I mean, I guess if you like, I would have expected Oregon. I mean, I say this like Oregon also like fell flat on their face in a bunch of games last season. Um, I would have expected them to, you know, uh, to, to handle Colorado pretty easily. I don't know, man. Uh, Jared Broussard, <laughs> that cat could run, man. It's true, and, and and Oregon certainly couldn't stop the run last year. Yeah, it was a uh, kind of interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I thought. They, thanks for sending that, Chris. I and I, I frankly totally forgot about that. Another one I got was from Joe Bojangles, who said, "Remember Herm choking away the game to USC that had like a ninety nine percent win metric associated with it? That was crazy." Um, I watched that whole game live, and I think the thing that stood out for me was I, it was kind of like a slow train wreck. And I couldn't put my finger, and I'm sure that they, I'm sure USC did some scheme changes that I wasn't paying attention to. Um, but I was just watching, and then I was watching, I'm like, and I just thought, oh my gosh, they're going to lose. And that was <laughs> a little earlier before really the, the snowball started happening. That was crazy, Rob. Did you watch that game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, sorry, I got an email from my new job, and I was like, oh shit, what could this be? What was, the, which game are we talking about again? We're talking about ASU uh, losing to USC in spite of having oh, like yeah. a 99 percentile, you know, win probability. Yeah, that one was that, like, that, I did watch that game. Um, I thought that, I mean, like, the fact that, like, late in that game, and that, I mean, that was like, that was a truly sloppy football. You had seven turnovers. 
total in that game. Um, you know, and, and USC, you know, they outplay. I mean, for the most part, really outplayed ASU. I mean, they outgained them significantly in that game. Um, you know, and uh, but it was. I mean, you really started to get an idea though that in that that you know USC was going to have trouble stopping the run because ASU put up 258 yards on them. You know, at 6.8 per carry. I mean, we talked about cutting into that. You know, whether um, you know they were really going to miss JT Fale, who opted out and and, and might have been the only guy on that team that could play two gap effectively. Um, and and ASU's offensive line looked a lot better, but. It was funny because like all the hype coming into that game was like Slovis versus Daniels and like Daniels looked terrible in that game. I mean, he, he had 134 yards. He was 11 of 23. Like, uh, that was a bad performance from him. And Slovis was, Slovis was pretty good. I mean, you know, and, but it was also like where you started to feel and wonder at, you know, a little bit like whether he had the same zip on the ball. I mean, and that was true in that Arizona game too. It was like whether something was wrong with his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember watching um, Daniels and just going, "Oh man, he's not. He's because that most of that was on, like you mentioned, was on the ground, and um, yeah. as, as pretty. I mean, so he was able to move the ball that way. But man, throwing the ball is just kind of. Um, I know ASU fans kind of harp on us on the accuracy stuff, but like that, <laughs> and it was the first game oh. and all, all that stuff, you know, yada yada yada. But like, I mean, when when sometimes you see that prior become. Uh, <laughs> You know, right in front of your face on television. He did get better throughout the year, but it was, it was, it was a rough watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was and his downfield, like his attempts, like he was not, he was not close in that game on his passes, like more than seven yards, you know, in the air downfield. Like he was, he was far from some of his receivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if he'll be able to uh, step it up in this coming year. Cause ASU is going to need him to, in order to compete for the South, Rob, anything else? Anything you, that I, I emptied the uh, the chamber here when it, when it comes to um, comes to the member berries. You got anything else to to bring up? No, I mean I don't think that there's you know that much more. I mean, it, and it was and it was like a thus far it's been a it, other than Larry Scott, you know, on the which we kind of knew. I mean, sort of knew and expected. It's been kind of a quiet off season. Yeah. Too. I think I think the thing we should do next is go through some of the non-conference schedules because there are yeah. some awesome awesome games on on there and some really intriguing ones too. Like UCLA plays LSU. <laughs> There's just some weird. Yeah, in but the Rose Bowl, it's crazy. And like you know, they could win. They could win. Uh, now they could they could not win at all. But um, but they I think that's a fascinating game. So I think what we'll do is we'll start going through those. And as you know, people are able to travel and stuff. Maybe we can start. Uh, getting some some feedback from our members on like if we wanted to go to a game where where would we go? I know Rob that you and I are looking at the Ohio State, um, who they play Washington Oregon or, or Oregon Ohio Oregon. State game in yeah. Columbus. Um, we so, will get tickets to that. I will. I mean, clearly, even if even if like I will get tickets and go to that no matter what, even if you're here or not. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you can't miss the duck. I mean, like the Ducks in Ohio State. Like, but I also think like Michigan Washington is intriguing. I though is that one I'm trying to remember where that one's at. I would assume it's in Ann Arbor because I'm pretty sure the first game was supposed to be in Seattle, but I am uncertain. We can we can cover that. Yeah, it is. It I looked it up. It, yeah, I mean and it's a bummer because like otherwise I would actually if they I think they're the same day. Oh. Um, I would try to get tickets to both <laughs> and drive up to Ann Arbor. 
Uh, then that'd be awesome to see uh, when those times are. But uh, yeah, so so we'll start jumping through. We won't do them all at the same. We usually try to do one division, then the next division. So stay tuned. Uh, I think that'll be really interesting because again, there's some other games that are going on that are under the radar that we're excited to get to. And um, and with that, guys, we will catch everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, and follow us at Sharp College Football. Watch all the things. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha.